Hey everybody, welcome to episode 116 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Pachito. Hey guys, my email's not working. Yeah, I that's, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah, that's not I'm, not, I'm in no hurry to fix it. Hmm. I kept getting a bounce nice. back last night, Did you? but you did get the email. Uh, Bob forwarded the email to my super secret email. Oh, cool. And so I, that's how I got the message. Oh, okay, cool. And by the way, that address is uh, email at gmail.com in case you want to send him something there. He's bound to get it. We also have Jimmy DeResta here. <gasps> Hello, guys. How's everybody doing? Still wearing his, his $1 hat flashlight. <laughs> For the, for Keep it up. I'll leave it on the whole. To, I'll leave it on for the whole show. If that's what you want. <laughs> I'm blinded. Well, how's it going? What's up? Still moving. Still moving. Uh, we took up two truckloads this week, and it's slowly becoming more and more empty. But every time I walk into it, I just like think to myself, "Oh my god, I still have so much more to do." And uh, I'm definitely leaving a lot of material behind for the for the big giveaway. When anybody wants to come and take free materials, you'll be saving me. When that's ready, that'll be ready with like within the month, I guess, or about a month, a month and a half. I got till June 31st or June 30th to get out of there. So, and my new shop is shaping up. I spent the last three days upstate getting ready. And it's funny, this, this, uh, the place that I'm in now is 50 by 100 feet and the ceiling is probably 25 feet tall. So 50 by 100 feet. And I was able to lay out plywood on the wall. I laid out four sections of plywood, 32 feet linearly. And that's going to be the backdrop of like where the wood shop area is going to be. And that is as long as the shop I'm in now. And it's so funny. It's just a drop in the bucket. Like we, like I was with my buddy Grayson and we like kind of mapped out and I'm like, this is how big my shop is now. And I've been able to get all this stuff done in that shop the whole time feeling like the walls were closing in. And so now I'm going to have much more fun in a much bigger space. So it's it's becoming a reality. I still need to put electric in this space, but the landlord was able to turn on one outlet. So we're able to use one outlet right now to run a table saw, one outlet to run a chop saw. And we found out you can't run two things at once because the fuse will blow. But And I'm getting a giant <laughs> generator. If and when the electric is or you know they can put in a quality electric, which would mean like 220 single phase at the very least, I'm also getting a big generator from Lincoln, so I'm going to get a big uh, mobile generator that will basically be able to run a house and also have some welding capacity. So I'm going to have that there as well to run some of the big machines, you know, as like a as a stopgap, bridge gap measure. But it's coming together, and it's really nice to have room for the first time in my life. I feel like like it's just a luxury. It's it's really amazing. Did my first That's project awesome. this weekend so- actually. I, I was able to. Uh, work on my very first project uh, in that shop will be a, a, a making a toolbox for a Rockler video, which is upcoming. Sweet. So, what's the percentage of move out? Like, how far are you in the whole process of your? City well, shop? I moved uh, almost all the heavy, heavy machines that I have down there. Almost all the heavy, heavy stuff is out, except for my saw stop, one drill press, and my lathe, and one bandsaw, and one chop saw. <laughs> <laughs> so everything except for not everything. Yeah, no, no. I'm saying all the the doubles and triplicates and a lot of hand tools and just there's just so many busyness. There's like like packages of this, and every time I open a box, I'm like, oh, I don't need that, and then I open, it, I go, oh wait, I need that. Oh wait, I don't need that. Oh wait, I need that. So it's it's tough. It's tough. I've been giving a lot of stuff away to people that happen to be around. So I'm like, you want that? You 
you got to take it right now. Well, I just, I'm going out to dinner, then you can't have it. I got to give it to somebody else. So, you ever seen the movie The Jerk? Yeah, sure. That's me dragging all my stuff with yeah. me. <laughs> it's all I need is this bandsaw. It's <laughs> all I that need. Yeah, but it's 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 a really good cleansing process. You know, I, I just did an interview with somebody the other day, and I said, you know, don't ever be afraid of the disasters. And not that this is a disaster; this was a welcome change. But don't be, don't ever be afraid of like a big disaster, whether it's a breakup with somebody or whether it's a, you've been evicted from your shop, because there's always something good will come out of it. You know, you'll be shaken out of your comfort zone, and then you'll be able to do something new and fresh. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this move i'm really excited every time something comes out of the hole it's more exciting so that's hmm. that's how i'm looking at it trying to keep a positive attitude about the whole thing you know i was thinking about something similar to that today kind of related about how anytime you have a big change there's well at least for me i'll speak for myself anytime i think about like upcoming big changes or i was actually thinking about it in the context of death but um when you think about like the stuff that you're scared of there's kind of two parts for it to that for me about like what you're scared of leaving and what you're scared of going to. So the before and the after of that change. And it's easy to wrap all those things up into one big like fear. But really like when I look at some of the big changes I think about, I'm really only scared about half of it. You know, um, like I'm only scared about losing what is now. Right. And I'm not really scared about what's next, but it's just like you kind of wrap all that together in your mind and, I don't know, it was a little freeing for me to think about, to break those into two parts and be like, well, you know, what's coming up is really exciting. And I'm not scared of going, of doing that new thing. I am scared or bummed out about what I'm leaving behind or whatever. So, I don't know. You know, There's it's no funny. Point to that. Uh, no, I, I understand. But on that topic, on that same topic of overcoming fear, I turned 50. We all know how old I turned on April 3rd. And now it's, now that I'm like in this next stage, even though it means nothing really, you know, I'm past a certain threshold. There's so many things like I don't care about anymore in the way of like tells like, do we really need this? I'm like, nah, throw it away. I've had it. I'm 50. It doesn't matter now. I didn't need it before now. So throw it away. So the idea of like this threshold that I've come through, it's like I really it's of course I care about the people I love and the things and that really will help me create new stuff. But I remember having that attraction to say having five bandsaws and like needing all of them. Now I'm like, Oh, you need that? You could take it. So <laughs> it's really freeing to be able to give stuff away and give materials away. And you know, Oh, uh, you know what? I, I found a box with like 500 CDs in it and I didn't even look through one of them because I know the minute I looked at one of them, I'm going to be like, Oh, there's my, uh, there's my miles Davis. Oh my God. There's John Coltrane. Oh, let me go through. You know, now you could buy all that online. I just took the whole box and put it on the sidewalk. And I came out, mm. the entire box was empty. There must have been 300 CDs in there. The idea of, of me getting over and like needing all this stuff and knowing that I don't need this around me as much. Mm. You know, there, there are obvious, obviously things I need, but going through this process and, you know, me being older and and kind of over the need for it. And then I learned maybe from you guys or somewhere along the way, you know, if you haven't used it in a year or two or five years, just you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to learn more about getting rid of all that stuff, one of my favorite books and the books that I, I've talked about it plenty of times, but it really had a tremendous impact on me. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And it's all about getting rid of stuff in your life that you don't need. 
you know, and it, it really changed the way I looked at physical objects and that emotional connection I would have to things. Teaches you yep. to worry about the things that, that, that matter. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted, you know, and think about the stuff that you use on a regular basis and how important that is to what you do. But it's actually like, it's just a, no, it's like a street to get to a place that you're going. Like, you don't necessarily need that street. You could walk there. You could fly there. There are other ways to get to the thing that you actually want to do. And so it's it's easy to hold on to the things that uh, help you do what you need to do, but that's not the only way to go about it. Once you realize you can let go of that stuff, it's a little bit more freeing. Well, what do you ta- 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 Taylor and I had a, a, an in-depth discussion uh, early this morning about how this new shop's going to look and – She's like, uh, she's like, are you going to go hang and rub a chickens everywhere? And, <laughs> and that was her way to like characterize all my junk that I hang everywhere. And I had to explain to her and you know, we, we kind of came to uh, a mutual understanding that I'm not going to hang a rubber chicken just because of the sake it's like a wacky thing in the background. A lot of the stuff I hang in my shop, well, it was primarily because I didn't have the space in the past, but is because I find this widget, you know, what I'm holding up like a little tripod. Like I find this widget and I know that's going to become something else one day. And so I hang it on the wall knowing that it's in plain sight. The day that I spark the inspiration to take it to the next level, it's right there. If I put it in a box, it's just a thought that comes and goes and I'll never ever access that thought again. And so that's why I keep a lot of stuff hanging in plain sight is because I'm like, oh yeah, there's that thing. Oh, let me turn that into this. Oh yeah, that's the thing that I'm going to do that with. And I can't honestly point at a lot of my videos because it's just sort of, you know, big mishmash in my life. But a lot of my videos have come about that way is that I put a wire on it, hang it in plain sight. Eventually I get to it. A lot of the tools like the tool refurbishing, the hatchets and that kind of stuff. That's a good example of, you know what, I needed to do a video this week. Oh, let me refurbish that axe head that's hanging right there. And so that's why I like to have this sort of visual clutter around me. It's not necessarily because I enjoy clutter. It's just I just don't enjoy forgetting projects. And so she was she she agreed. She so I said, you know, I don't need a rubber chicken unless it's going to become a good video, a viral video idea. So then I'll hang a rubber chicken on the wall. I'm not going to hang it because I'm some wacky morning radio host. (laughs) But that's always an option. Like if you you know if making (laughs) stuff doesn't work, you could become a wacky radio host. Just throwing it out there. Exactly. So, what about you, David? What have you been up to? Um, you know, I'm not really ready to talk about future projects, which is code for I don't know yet. You've been sleeping a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been working on past projects, and um, you know, last week I put out the coconut palm uh, picture frame video, and holy cow, coconut palm is the most beautiful wood there is. It's just crazy beautiful hmm. I, I so the, the frame is hanging on the wall now and i keep, i just keep staring at it um but um I, something i think we're gonna we might talk about a little bit later is uh, uh youtube stuff and um and i um you know over the past year i've been all in on youtube and neglecting the other eggs in the basket um hmm. And so uh, this past week, I put a big focus on the, on my website. And so right now, we're in the middle of uh, combining two websites into one, which actually just happened. And now we're, we're working on a visual refresh, some UI stuff. And um, it's coming along pretty good, which is one of the reasons my email went down Saturday night and then 
didn't real didn't realize it until this morning when I got an email from Bob saying, "Hey, getting some bounce backs." So, um, you know, focusing on on the website right now, and it's you know every every so often it's time to do a refresh and rethink the uh, the flow and and the UI. You got something, Jimmy? What? Oh yeah, what does UI mean? I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Oh, I'm sorry. User interface. Oh, okay. okay. Underneath it. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, in this context, funny, I didn't. I didn't get it, but now I get it. Yeah. For me, um, I've been out of town for the weekend. We went to Orlando uh, for Easter weekend, and we took the kids and went to Disney for a day. Went to Magic Kingdom, mm. and then we went to Star Wars Celebration, uh, which was super cool. And so, I want to talk about Disney for a minute. Have either of you ever been to Disney World? I kind of imagine no. no yeah, I've been to both. Here in, yeah, in you okay. know, West and East Coast. Yeah. So, I, it, you know, it's a place that if you don't have kids, you probably don't really have a lot of occasion to go to. And, you know, that makes sense. But if you ever get the chance to go for anything and you can justify it, it's worthwhile, if for no other reason than to look at the how things are put together and how sure. just how much detail is in everything there. The last time I went was probably uh, probably seven years ago or something like that. We were there with family. My two of my kids were really young, so we were just focused on you know just like making sure they didn't hate it and everything. Um, so I didn't really like pay a lot of attention to what was going on around us. This time, my kids are still young, but I got to like look more at how things are made and all the stuff. And then when you think about Disney World. A lot of it's new, but a lot of it is actually exactly like it was when it was built in the late 60s, I guess, yeah. maybe. I'm not exactly sure when it was built. but um, So there's a lot of stuff that is just purely mechanical. And these mechanical devices have been, surely they've been kept up and you know main, maintained and stuff. But there's, like, for instance, in It's a Small World. It's this ride with, you ride in a boat and you go through this whole thing, right? You're in a boat on a track that's underwater, and so think about just that by itself. You have a lot of mechanics there that have to move like 10, 10 or 20 boats constantly along this track in water, which is corrosive. And so it's, you know, everything has to work around that fact. And then you ride through this entire huge warehouse full of decoration and all this stuff. And every one of these little characters, there's, I don't know, probably 500 little people yeah. and animals and stuff in it. And they're all like moving their lips and moving their arms and bouncing up and down. And there's like windmills turning and there's flowers spinning and there's just me mechanics everywhere. And it's all synced to music. And then yeah. the music changes from location to location. As you go through, it's all the same song, but it changes style as you go from like Hawaii to the Alps to Japan to whatever, you know. And so when I was riding through that, um, I was enjoying the air conditioning, but also just like, you know, looking around at how much is happening. And this was all pre, uh, like motion control type electronic stuff. I mean, it may be electronic controlled, but you know, it was in the sixties. It, yeah, it's gotta different. be very, more mechanical than, than electronic, I think. But yeah, I mean, that was just one ride. And then you go to like other ones and the stuff gets crazier and crazier. And then it, as it gets newer, there's all these integrated screens everywhere, and there's tons of uh, projection mapping stuff. So you'll have characters that are just white-faced. It's just a, a, f a flat white, you know, face shape. And they're projecting the face facial features on it, and they're animated. So you have this big statue with, like, a fully detailed animated face that's all just projection. And it was really cool. I mean, I, I picked up a lot of 
mechanism and a lot of like interesting inspiration stuff just from how things were put together. When I was a kid, I remember being there and my cousin who grew up near there, my cousin John, he was, he, he said to me, cause there was like a crack in the ground and you could see light. And he said, he goes, you see that? He goes, all of Disneyland and Disney World has an underground behind the scenes that makes this whole place work. And he says, it's extremely secretive. Like to get in and out of it is it. And so I remember spending the whole next two days we were there constantly looking for cracks in the system between the underworld and the above world. Nice. And I, I, I was obsessed with that since he, ever since he, I must have been seven or eight years old at the time. And I was obsessed with it and yeah. still am about the whole idea of behind the scenes and making that whole place work. And people, people like can go underground in one spot and pop up somewhere else and, you know, walk past all the mm-hmm. electronics of some, I, and I was in the small world after all too, as well. I totally know exactly. Cause I remember obsessing and watching all that stuff as a kid. You know, I wasn't enjoying yeah. the music as much as I was obsessing about what was going on mechanically and physically. Yeah. Totally got that vibe. There's a, a, there's a documentary, and maybe on YouTube, I don't remember where I saw it, but it, it talks about the construction of Disney World <clears throat> and all of that underground stuff. And so the park that you're on is actually a story or a story and a half above ground level. So they built the underground on ground level and then mounded up the rest of this huge area on top of that. And so it feels like you're on normal ground level, but you're actually like a story up, which is pretty wild. And down there, yeah, there's like tunnels and there's like a full maintenance system and there's like vehicles can drive around down there. It's like if a kid gets lost, they immediately get taken down there. So you're not walking around in the park like, you know, with a screaming kid, like, where's my family? They get taken down there with, and then security can manage them. <laughs> <laughs> we actually found a little girl who lost her family while we were there this weekend, and we helped her find her family. That was cool. I was going to say, they, but, they take um, them underground and train them how to be the, the, uh, the weather suits. Those are the people walking around as Minnie and Mickey. They come, come out as a mouse. Yeah. I also saw, just while we're talking about the mechanism, so there, there's one attraction there called the Hall of Presidents. Did you ever go to that? Yeah. Yep. So it's like, it's uh, one of those things where you sit in a theater type thing and there's like these animatronics of the presidents and they they're all on stage and you know like a light will go on George Washington and he'll talk about what he did and his arms will move <clears throat> and all this stuff so part of this documentary that I saw was talking about those things and how they built them and the the imagineers the engineers of the 60s were at Disney were like brilliant people and they built all these animatronics from scratch and so the way they originally did all these motions for the arms and everything were all hydraulic. So they had hydraulic lines running through these metal skeletons that would push the arms and push the mouths and all this stuff. Hydraulic fluid is often red. So one time <clears throat> there was the show was going on and one of the hydraulic uh, tubes busted yeah. on Abraham Lincoln while he was speaking and like blood starts squirting everywhere all over <laughs> all over Abraham Lincoln and they were like, "Okay, shut it down. We've got to figure out how to use clear Hydraulic fluid. <laughs> my goodness. Oh my god! Yeah. So too soon. Anyway. Yeah, but it, there's there's tons of really awesome, um, you know, documentary stuff on YouTube, and I think there's even one on Netflix about like how all that stuff is put together, and that's one of the reasons that Walt Disney is like in my top inspiration people because he he just the both between what he thought of and the way he was either able to gather like super smart motivated people to build something like that is very awesome so now I, i've heard uh merlin man talk about the uh the california one 
and how you don't see any maintenance people or trash people. Like all the trash is um, pulled out from underneath the ground. Is mm-hmm. that is that like that in, in Florida as well? It's not in the Magic Kingdom because I was thinking about that while we were there, and mm-hmm. I told our kids about it. And as soon as I said it, there's like a guy rolling over with a big trash ah. cart, and he like empties a trash can. And my son was like, "You lied to us!" <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not in Magic Kingdom, but it might be in the other parks because they're all like really separate locations, and you have to ride like a train to get from one to the other. They're built in different eras, and so it's gotcha. possible. Gotcha. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, that was one day. We did one day of the Magic Kingdom, and then we went to Star Wars Celebration. And for you two non-Star Wars nerds, that's like a giant Star Wars celebration. That's for exactly the record, I, I don't want to call, my, call myself a Star Wars nerd, but I've seen all of the movies except the latest one. So, And okay. I'm a fan. I've seen, I've seen the, original, the, the original three many, many times. Okay. So, I, I like right. Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars nerd. Gotcha. So. I like the original, enough. original okay. movie, American Graffiti. That's my favorite version of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas's first film, I believe, right? I think maybe a second. I think so, maybe. Second. Okay. I think THX 1138 was the first one. All right. Maybe. It could be wrong. Anyway, so Star Wars Celebration, Orlando Convention Center, which is gigantic. Like, I've never been in a place that big. It's huge. Um, and it's just this big, you know, people in costumes. There's all sorts of booths set up selling toys and just showing off awesome props. And there was like a whole section of modified cars that were there that looked like Star Wars things. Like either they were just painted in the style of or they were modified physically to have like crazy details. They had like a full-size snow speeder. They had a bunch of full-size, or not full-size, but very large ships and bikes and... And just the the amount of, like, fan-made costume stuff that was there was really mind-blowing. I've never been to, like, a Comic-Con or any of the, you know, like, those things where people intentionally go dressed up, you know, in costumes. There's a whole bunch of them in one place. This is the first time I'd seen anything like that. And it was unbelievable. And they were all really happy to take pictures. So we walked around with the kids, and we'd see somebody in a costume, and we'd be like, hey, can we take pictures? And, of course, they're just like, yeah, of course. You know, and they pose with the kids, and uh, it was... It was super cool. In fact, there's there's one character, one type of character in the original Star Wars called a Jawa. It's this little person in a brown uh, like cape, and they have a black cover on their face. You can't see any facial features, but they have two yellow glowing eyes, and they're in the desert. So there was a whole group of these. I, I assume they were kids. They were pretty short, and they're wrapped in these whole cloaks and everything, and they're running around together. And wait, in the movies, they're wait a second, Bob. Aren't they what? supposed to walk in a single file to hide their tracks? N- no, they're not. Those are Tuscan Raiders. Oh. Wrong people. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> nice try. No, so they're running around together, and in the in the movie, they're like uh, scavengers. So they go around and just like you know steal stuff or whatever. So we're walking along. We see this group of these these kids, I assume, and this R two droid rolls up and starts playing the Star Wars theme. And so all three or four of these little Jawas start dancing, and you know they're like all playing together. Just randomly, they ran into each other and started doing this thing. And um, so we're taking pictures of them and all this stuff. And one of them comes over, and because they're scavengers, he's just like nonchalantly reaches down and grabs my son Flynn, had a stormtrooper mask on, he was holding it in his hand, and he reached down and grabbed the mask and started to pull away like he was going to steal it from my kid. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, and we were like, no, no, get out of here. But anyway, one of them um, 
bent down next to the kids and pulls out, like, reaches in his cloak, pulls out this little pouch, this little leather pouch, and opens it up, and there's, like, fake gold coins and fake jewels and stuff in there. And he just takes one out and gives it to each one of my kids, and he's, just, like, mm. sharing his little treasure. And then he just wrapped it up and put it back in his jacket and ran off. It was awesome because, I mean, they're, like, totally into it, and they're they're just, like, playing to the kids, like, amazement. It, it was really cool. We had a good time. Um, nice. Got to see some some friends. Got to see Bill and Britt from Punished Props. That was awesome. Um, got to got to kind of break line. This is not me. This is not me uh, bragging. But I was just kind of amazed at this. This guy named Ben, uh, who is from Belgium, I believe. He was there with a group who made a full size speeder from the uh, Force Awakens, and it's like a big giant thing. And they had it there, and you could stand in line to take pictures. And so I, we walked up, and we saw the line, and I was like, well, I'd, I'd love to take pictures on this, guys, you know, with the kids, but it's just, we'd have to wait there. And they were like, okay, no big deal. So we start to walk off, and this guy, Ben, comes over, and he says, do you have a YouTube channel? <laughs> I said, I do, why? And he said, quick, come here. And so he he helped us. We skipped the entire line. We went in there, took a quick oh, picture with the kids, wow. and got out. And it was yeah, so club. awesome, so awesome. <laughs> not Not bragging, but I just wanted to publicly say thank you to Ben in case he's listening. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And speaking of thank you, uh, I got a package today, and I don't typically, uh, you know, call these out on the podcast, so don't don't send me stuff with the intention of getting called out. But I wanted to say thank you to Mark Briggs, because I got a package today with a really nice handwritten note about how much he enjoys the podcast, and it's a thank you to all three of us. And um, he encouraged me to let the 3D printers run in the background. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but he also sent two pieces of wood. And I thought about this because you you were talking about the – what was the wood type that you were talking about, David? That was Coconut so palm. Coconut palm, which I've not seen. I've seen the thumbnail for your video, but I haven't seen that video yet. But he sent me two small pieces of wood. One is camphor wood, which I've heard of but never actually seen. And the other is Indian rosewood. And oh. it is – I don't know that you guys can see this, Looks but pretty. it is gorgeous. It's That's nice. I also got a nice little handwritten letter from Mark and sent me some rosewood and some camphor, camphor wood. I'm not sure what they yeah. are, but yeah. beautiful, beautiful pieces. So thank you so much, Mark. Really, 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 I haven't really been to my mailbox that. yet, so if I got yeah. one, thank you. <laughs> and if you didn't, thank you, for, thank you for taking care of my <laughs> friends. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, we don't really have any topic, do we? I mean, we're like 30 minutes of jabber. Yeah. But- um, I think we're gonna we're just gonna go all over the place again for for a little bit. Um, Jimmy, you said Taylor had had a topic suggestion that maybe we can talk about for a few minutes. Oh, uh, yeah, she was saying maybe you guys could discuss the changes that we've all been through since this podcast started, and it's it's pretty funny how quickly all of us have matured in this YouTube world. You know, along with all of our fans who are in the same game. And uh, how quickly the fan base has grown. So we could talk about how we're, we were kind of newbies at the beginning of this. Was it been three years or two years? I don't even know that we've been doing this. Two, two and a half, I think. It was it was in October, Halloween. Yeah. So I, I think it's been about two and a half years, which is crazy. And then just how? Uh, yeah, she just said maybe you guys can discuss your your, your personal changes since it started. And me personally, to to talk about that, I I have definitely changed my game. I, all my business was definitely commission work when we all met for the very first time, and now it's it's definitely commissioned in the way of more advertising stuff. I've changed. Sorry to say, I've changed. 
Well, it's definitely all about, uh, you know, create creation of content and creation of inspirational videos and finding advertisers that I could slyly insert into some of my videos or some of my vlogs or blatantly like my, which I think you do a really good job of that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I I, I try, I I tell flat out to my agent, I was like, I'm not going to do a video unless I could actually build something over what I'm talking about because I really want to be able to, for the people that hang in there, I appreciate it. But for the people that do hang in for the advertisement, I want to make sure that they're at least seeing something going on and visually, because I can't, you know, I, I can't stand watching myself talk. So <laughs> it's really, I'm taking care of my own insecurities when I overlay happening while I'm talking about advertising stuff. But as far as change, it's definitely changed the way. I mean, my ice pick business has gone up and, you know, my own little personal tube business has gone up. You know, where that's going to go, I'm not sure. I'm a little overwhelmed nowadays. I have so many different projects. So the people that are helping me out with various projects, I apologize that I don't get back to everybody as fast as I could. And now, right now, I'm obviously going through a move. But when we first started, I, you know, I, I couldn't foresee a move. I kind of had an idea, but I just couldn't see it happening. And I really had no idea where the YouTube thing was going. I just knew that I just should keep creating content. And right now, I still feel the same way. I'm just going to keep creating content. And you know, I'm working for a couple of people now. I'm working for Rockler and still for, for Core 77. And I'm on a break with Make right now. We're trying to figure out what to do next. But yeah, it's just uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And when I look back and, I, and people say, oh, do you, do you want a TV show? Like, I, I'm really enjoying my vlogs, the creation of my vlogs, which is something I never would have done. And the idea of coming out of my shell more on this show. I never talked before I started talking with you guys as far as my channel is concerned. And so that kind of led to my vlogs. And Bob, you directly have inspired me because when we were talking about getting more advertising stuff, you said nobody knows what you have to say. So no one's going to give you advertising because you just don't say a word. And then that sort of went into my mailbags, which led to my, my vlogs, my daily vlogs, which I'm really happy doing. It's a lot of fun. I really feel like a news reporter every week. Like when I meet somebody, I'm like, would you be interested in saying that same exact thing on camera right now? And then I lose the spontaneity. <laughs> but I try and like, when I meet somebody, I really try to like gauge like, okay, is this person worthy of like a little quick interview? And so I try not to ask them like the good questions until they agree to go on camera. So I keep the conversation <laughs> like vague and light. Good and like, tip. oh, wow, that's really cool. Oh, you make stuff? Oh, that's cool. Do you mind going on camera? Uh, okay. Who's your inspiration? You know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Like this this week I got. <laughs> What's your I biggest got, fear? <laughs> I, I got. <laughs> that guy took. He knew Alexander Calder, the guy in my last vlog. I mean, I was like one person away from meeting Alexander Calder, uh, you know, hmm. or at least, you know, getting personal experiences of Alexander Calder from somebody who knew him personally. And we, me and that gentleman talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Fletcher Coddington, the, the big Nick Nolte looking blacksmith that I met last week. He talked about having learning disabilities, and I did, it, it kind of got a little bit personal in the interview. He obviously didn't mind because he said it all on camera, but I didn't want to get it. It, it was kind of a little personal, but he talked about having a lot of learning disabilities and a lot of the same problems I had, you know, having a hard time reading hmm. when you were a kid and having dyslexia and just excelling at handicrafts and not excelling in the classroom, you know, the proper regular, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic classroom. And so I really could identify with the guy and, you know, so... That has really opened my world. And so how have I changed in the last three years? I've definitely come out of, I come out from underneath the basement door and, and, met, and met people. And it, like doing Boston 100 was amazing and meeting all the people that love and support mm -hmm. what we do and, you know, sharing the experiences of what we do. So 
I mean, it's it's all been positive. There's been nothing negative. I don't think and it's been negative for anybody, except for maybe the haters that don't want to see each one of us succeed. But you know, that's their personal <laughs> problems. Yeah, it's not that they don't want to see it succeed. It's like they're having their own problems with their own uh, failures in life. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, David? What do you think? You how have you changed? So I'm going to avoid the the whole business change thing. I've talked about that a million times. Yawn. I'll talk about how I changed as a person. And when I when I was younger, my teens, my twenties, I was a very shy, anxious, nervous person. Um, would have anxiety attacks, and then I got a job at Kmart, and I worked at Kmart for like eight years. And being in in public kind of helped me get over that. And then when I got a job at the ad agency and had to like run meetings and stuff, that that really helped me get over the the nervousness. And then starting the YouTube thing, I went back to being being alone being by myself a lot and um and since we've done the podcast we've got to do all these different meetups and i've and doing the youtube thing i've got to do all these different events and be around strangers and that's helped me grow as a person it helps me get over that the anxiousness i used to have um it overcomes the, the nervousness, and I'm going to be doing some some talks in the future without you guys, which is scary. I want you guys to be there, <laughs> but I also I want to be able to yeah. do these things on my own too. And so, um, yeah, this podcast has kind of helped me grow as a person, as a business person, as a as a as a husband, as a as a entertainer. I guess is what you would mm. uh, call me. And uh, yeah, it's um, I will say that. Everything is a little bit amped up in my videos. The guy that you see on my YouTube channel, that's not the guy. I don't I don't talk in that loud yelling voice at my wife every single night. She would she would get a little annoyed with me. How are, <laughs> How you, doing? are you doing? How was work? <laughs> right? And that's that's Sorry. fun. I, like, as soon as that camera comes on, that 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 camera personality comes out. And it's not me being fake. That's me being like you have to over exaggerate just a little bit. Um I think Bob, you talked about it recently maybe in a podcast or in some sort of video where your older videos you're kind of stiff and then you learn to yeah, like yeah. You, you talk louder, you you move your hands more and stuff. And um I just learned to kind of amplify that and be this I'll call it a character. It's still me, but it's an amplified character. And so a lot of times you meet me in person, I'm I'm still that shy person. And people are like, oh, you're not a shy person. I see you on YouTube. And I'm like, no, I really don't go out that much. Yeah. I don't hang out with people. I hang out with my wife. We stay at home and we do these things. And so, um, you know, I'm changing as a person for, for, for the better, I, th- I think. Yeah. I think it, mine's probably really similar to that in that um... – like the only times I've been in public before I started doing YouTube and being in front of people before that, the only times I was ever like in front of a group of people was on stage and I was playing music. And so I was, I was like confident, not really confident, but relatively confident in my, in the instrument in front of me, right. Or in the microphone in front of me. And I always felt like I was behind that thing and I could kind of hide behind the fact that like, Hey, I've got a distortion pedal. So if I can't play well, I'll just turn the distortion up. Right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but then, you know, once you get to where you're actually talking to the camera and there's no other thing that can, can be shinier than you are to the camera, then you have to like, you have to present yourself a little bit better. 
And I'm kind of the same way in that, like, my from my old videos to now, and even I think video to video, I I still try to to seem a little more uh, casual, but like you know, excited and upbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, people that know me on a regular basis, on like a day to day basis, they know that like if I'm talking in a normal voice and it's not super animated, that doesn't mean that I'm upset or that I'm bored or that I'm angry. That's just like my resting. This is how I am, mm-hmm. right? If I'm upset, that's a different thing that, you know, that's not on camera. Um, so it's like a relative point of view, a relative experience. And so I found that on camera, uh, people think that normal resting state is a negative state. And so to counteract that, you have to kind of seem happier, seem a little more gregarious and a little more activated and stuff. And so um, that's something I've definitely been learning. And I try not to overdo it to where it seems like too much or fake or not me, I want to be able to, so like a big thing about my personality, a decision I make years and years ago was to be the same person everywhere I go. And so I decided early on, I think when I was a teenager, that I wanted to be the same person in front of my parents and the same person in front of my friends, the same person in front of my teachers, the same person in front of strangers. And so that I didn't have to remember who I was supposed to be in any situation. If I'm the same person, I just get to be me, right? And so I still try to do that or, now so that in front of in front of my wife or in front of the camera or in front of people that I get to meet at Maker Faire or whatever, there's no, like, discrepancy. I do know also, though, that on camera you have to overreact a little bit because it has to translate, you know, to the camera. Um, but, yeah, I think that's been a big change for me is just trying to figure out how to how – to, Amp it up to a point that's realistic and not overdo it, right? And not like, you know, go too far to where I'm like a car salesman or <laughs> way too excited about making a, a wooden thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're gonna make some really awesome shelves today. You know, stuff like that. So, um, I think that's a big thing, and I think also just um, a big change. And I've been writing about this lately. Is Confidence in my inability. So I think when we started the podcast, I remember very specifically thinking about, I think we had, after we recorded the first one, thinking about like, I, I don't need to be on this show. Like these are two guys that are clearly very knowledgeable about what they do and they deserve the confidence that, that they have in their ability because they know what they're doing. And I've always kind of had this like, I don't really know what I'm doing and I, I kind of feel bad about that or feel like I should know more or like, you know, I just don't have a lot of confidence. But I think in the last couple of years, um, I've embraced the fact that I don't know a lot of stuff and I don't need to know all these things. My goal is to learn these things. And I think when I got comfortable with that, it was like it took some pressure off of me to feel like I needed to present as if I was like an expert or I had like a base level of knowledge and stuff. I could just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Awesome. And if I can say that confidently, then like, sweet, (laughs) you know, I can do things wrong and it doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to do my best, but like, I don't like somebody corrected me on uh, a YouTube comment today about the way I pronounce the word chamfer. Did you guys know that it's not ch? It's a sh sound. It's chamfer. I've heard both and I never knew which one it was. Oh, so I always just assumed it's a ch. I, I assumed it was chamfer, chamfer. Um, and this guy said it, 
in a nice way, he was just like correcting me. So I looked it up and realized that I'd been saying it wrong this entire time. It starts, actually, the sound is like a T-S-H. So it's very similar to chamfer, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but the huh. point of that is like someone corrected me and I was like, oh, cool. I know a new thing now that I didn't know. And I didn't feel like, oh, wow, this guy's like getting on to me or, uh, you know, trying to point out that I'm an idiot because obviously I'm an idiot about that one particular thing. I didn't know it. Now I know it. Cool. You know, so I think that's a that's been a big growing thing for me over the past couple of years. And I think being in the presence of you guys and getting to find it more about like personally who you are and the things that you care about and the things that you inspire you and the things that you mess up with, you know, that I think has leveled out my, uh, I can't think of the word, but maybe like uh, confidence in my inabilities. Mm. So, you know, another thing about this yeah. podcast is um, we get to go in depth on how we problem solve or how we deal with certain situations and learning how the two of you deal with something, which is probably different than how I deal with something, helps me kind of understand like maybe I'm doing this wrong or maybe I'm doing it right or maybe there's a compromise between the two. But I learn a lot just from these these conversations that we that we have here on the podcast. And I've grown a lot because of that. Absolutely. Mm. I'd agree with that for sure. What about, so I, yeah, I mean the business stuff we've kind of talked about that. What about production wise? Just as far as, has the podcast and the way that we, the stuff we talk about, has that affected like how you actually produce content at For all? For sure. For sure. Because if I come like, on here, how? we record on Mondays, if I come on here and say, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking or I'm, I don't know what I'm making this week, I feel guilty. I feel bad. I feel like I'm I'm letting everybody down. <laughs> and um, it, it, it keeps me accountable for... Uh, keeping on task, right? Because I'm, I, there's this thing I'm supposed mm. to talk about every week, like what I'm working on and and what I'm doing, and it also not only production wise, but um, how I work in the shop. I'm more conscious of that because I know eventually I'm going to talk about those things on the podcast. Hmm. Interesting. What about you, Jimmy? Has it does? this show affect at all how you produce or when you produce or what you produce, anything like that? Well, I definitely inspired by you guys to pay more attention to the analytics. You know, in the beginning, I just didn't pay attention at all because I felt like I had no control over it. But listening to you, both of you guys, uh, I learned a tremendous amount about Social Blade. I didn't even know what that website was. I learned about it from you, Bob. And, uh, you know, paying closer attention to when to post a video. I mean, you wouldn't notice that I actually do pay attention to that, but obviously I try and be consistent with my vlogs and um, in between posting a video. And one thing I one thing I, I, I'm for sure of is that I, I always have to at least try and balance the talkies with a with a build. Mm. And if anybody paid attention this week, I put out two build videos and one talkie video. <laughs> so to try and quell the haters because it's like, shut up already, I want to see you make something. And, uh, you know, that's very few comments, but it's enough to motivate me to push to put out videos i had a couple of videos in the can so i was able to release them this week and yeah you know just the the idea and uh definitely being more in control of the content that i that i license out and around i wouldn't have changed some of my rules about that if it wasn't having conversations with both of you guys you know and the idea of selling content but keeping it in the in the way of like i would just sell I'm like oh yeah take it take it take it take it and then never ever consider putting it on my channel but now everybody's got a one-year 
buffer. They get to use it for one year, then I get it back. They can keep it on their channel, but then I get to also post it so that as time goes on, all my content ends up under one roof. And yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't have, you guys definitely changed my point of view for the better, you know, having these ongoing conversations. Prior to you guys, I mean, I didn't talk to really anybody in, in the YouTube business. I don't really, you know, there's a lot of big YouTubers in New York. I don't talk to any of them. I don't, you know, I've reached out and I've never been able to make a connection with any of them. So, yeah. It's just us. So what about, just so what about you, no, you know, Well, um, I think it has. I mean, I think just being, like you said, David, ha- having to be accountable, you know, uh, for what I'm doing, I think is probably affected. Having to talk about it here and <clears throat> feeling like I need to, uh, explain what I've been doing probably has a, a a bit to do with motivation, but I also think I'm I'm just a fairly self motivated person. Like I I can stay on task pretty well. Um, I don't know. I think honestly, the podcast is is tough. It's I mean it's fun and it's easy to talk to you guys. It's tough to look back at 116 separate instances of us getting together with all of our crazy schedules and sitting down and hmm. in five minutes before we start recording saying like, what are we going to talk about? And then coming up with something and then talking about it for an hour. And then we <laughs> all, I mean, I know, I don't know if anybody else knows this, but like <laughs> we literally do that. We talk about it for an hour and then we're like, cool. All right. Good to see you guys. Bye. <laughs> and then we <laughs> shut it down. And then everybody like scurries off to their shops and does their thing and whatever we go, I'll go back to work. <laughs> so it's tough in, in that, you know, we all just have a lot going on. Um, I think the thing that's really cool about it and the thing that's been good for me is that it's like a, like a, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like a grounding point for the week where it's like a thing that's always in place that, you know, we always meet, we always talk. Uh, and then we get to go back and do our thing. And that's good for me because otherwise I think I would be a little more secluded, a little more heads down in my shop and like not worry so much about what you guys were doing or, you know, what the other people are doing. Like it makes me, it, it's a, it's a connection to a larger community that I maybe wouldn't naturally keep up with as well. And I think that's really good. And Bob, we, we kind of come from the same background, so I want to hear how you feel about this, but before YouTube, before this podcast, every single one of my friends in my close circle, they were all musicians. I kind of surrounded myself with this certain type of people that were into this certain type of thing. And then since I've gotten into woodworking and making and YouTubing and podcasting, I've actually expanded my friendship and I've allowed people into my life, such as you guys, I would consider you guys very good friends of mine that I would not have 10 years ago. And I, hmm. I, I think yeah. it's just, it's just weird. I, I've, I've surrounded myself with, with makers now and not just people who think just like me as far as like um, pop culture type stuff. So, you know, that's, it's yeah. opened me up quite a bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. Totally. I mean, like if you look at, and I think we even talked about this in the 100 show in Boston, but, you know, all of those people, I don't know, like 200 people or whatever it was, that were there all over the place. Tons of different types of people, different backgrounds, different interests, different places. And we all ended up in one place because we had this thing in common, mm-hmm. because we had, like, making stuff in common. And that, in that moment, at least, 
and I think for everybody, kind of superseded the fact that we were just entirely different people. And that's awesome. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, if for nothing else, this has been good just because it gives us a com- the three of us a common place to connect. And I think it helps us connect to the people that listen, who are some of those people are also people who make videos. And, you know, it's just it's a good like uh, kind of connection point, yeah. I think. So. Speaking of, I don't know. We haven't. We haven't personally talked about this, but if there is going to be another get together, we should probably not mm-hmm. wait until six weeks before the event. <laughs> so something we should think about this this in the coming months, you know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we, it or, already sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it does. Or we could hire somebody to think about it yeah. for us. That would be yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so I don't know, do you guys have anything else on this or you mentioned YouTube stuff earlier, uh, changes or something. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there seems, yeah, just, I, go ahead, go Jimmy. ahead, go ahead, Dave. No, they're, they're, um, uh, I, I, Jimmy says he watches Philip DeFranco, which I do. And, um, it seems to be a, a recurring topic on there and I'll, with a lot of other, vloggers out there is about changes with YouTube and, and advertisements and um, people their uh, YouTube AdSense dropping dramatically since all these huge advertisers have, have pulled away and also people's videos getting demonetized because of potential offensive content and um, for me I have not had any videos demonetized because I I offend people, but I don't make offensive content. If that makes sense, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, my my videos aren't. Uh, they're, they're not. They're not. Uh, they're not about politics or religion or race or, or anything like that. It's about it's about making. So I, it's not something I have to worry about. But I do worry about the future of YouTube. What's going to come next? YouTube's not going to live in this top spot forever. And um, you know, and it's one of the reasons like, okay, I got to start worrying about those other eggs. I got to get my website back up because I want to be, I want to keep selling plans and I want to keep doing these, these other things. And I want YouTube to be the main thing, but I know it's not going to be there forever. So I got to get back into spreading, spreading out my resources. Yeah. I mean, I have personally seen a drop in AdSense in revenue. <clears throat> um, but I mean, I, don't, I mean, none of us know. So put that out there. But I honestly don't think this is a long-term problem. Like the state of things now as advertisers are dropping out, they're dropping it, from my understanding anyway, they dropped out because they were getting paired with content that they found objectionable. And there was no way for them to control, because it's all automated, there's no way for them to control um, where their ads were being placed unless they wanted to pay like a top-tier price to get placed on certain things or whatever. So that's understandable, but that's also a hit for YouTube as a company. And so I would guarantee that if they don't have a fix in place already for that, they are working on it really, really hard. And I'm not saying that you need to like, it, you know, put all your eggs in the YouTube basket and just rely on that. Like it's going to come back better than ever. I don't mean that. But I also think that um, it's very easy when you have a negative pendulum swing to overreact for everybody, not you, I mean, all of us, to overreact in the opposite direction, which actually makes the problem worse. (laughs) So if people stop creating content because they're worried about not um, 
you know, not having advertising dollars come in. Okay, here's what I think might happen. <clears throat> People that are worried about this, really worried about it, and they're dropping, you know, they're losing tons and tons of money on their AdSense. They're going to go like, oh, well, that's it. I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do video somewhere else. Or I'm going to, like, stop focusing on video and f- focus on books or focus on whatever. They do that. Then all of a sudden the volume of content, advertisable content on YouTube will drop in a really general sense, which means if I'm still on YouTube, I have a better chance of getting good advertising dollars than I did six months ago when famous, famous people are making famous videos. So, so from my perspective, this is a very short-term problem. If it's a really a problem at all, it may not be. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, I think diversifying is a good idea, even if it was going really well, even if the numbers were higher than they've ever been, it's still a good idea to have, you know, to get out there and have multiple options because any one of those things could fail at any time. Um, yeah, but for me personally, like, I don't think any of my content would ever be in that, you know, uh, in that area of like objectionable or whatever they wouldn't want to do. Um, I do uh, like original music and everything. So I'm not worried about like copyright strikes. That's never been a concern, which is kind of like a similar thing. You know, I don't put myself in that position to have that be a problem. So I'm not really worried about it being a problem. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's just one of those swings. Yeah. I think anytime you are tied to a platform that you don't control, there are going to be a lots of ups and downs. You know, I mean, look at Vine. People built these entire companies on making Vine videos, and it is gone. Not like it's yeah. doing bad. It doesn't exist. So, uh, you know, that can happen for sure. <clears throat> so, I don't know. And that was quick. Uh, Vine uh, was only like four years, right? From the beginning to the end, about three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. It died really quickly. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Jimmy, do you have any concerns? Um, I guess a little bit, but I feel as long as I keep my, my movies, you know, safe, my original uploads, I keep them safe and I keep all my old content, you know, my extraneous content that goes with those movies in the event that I'm able to place them somewhere. I mean, I, I, we had this conversation, I don't know if it was on air or not, but my agent said somebody offered to buy all my old movies that are older than six months old. And I was like, I go, there's no way I'm going to sell them. And he's like, oh, well, I just thought maybe they're not earning money anymore. I'm like, my movies earn money all the time. <laughs> you know, because yeah. somebody will post them in a vlog or, I mean, I personally feel my... Not my vlogs, but I personally feel like my my maker movies are pretty timeless, and I think they could last for a really long time. And so I said, "There's no way I would do that." And he was like, kind of surprised. He's like, "Well, don't you want thirty thousand dollars up front?" I'm like, "No." I said, "I think they're worth a lot more than that," and I still do. So I think if this platform comes and goes, there'll still be a place for all of us. Uh, I mean, we talked about you know pulling. You know, the concept of maybe one day if we ever had to, you know, the maker community could pull their money and start a series of drives somewhere in the world, storage capacity and make, a, you know, make tube or whatever. But um, I don't know. It's interesting and exciting to see where the world is going. But I, I know that each one of us have built up a, a, a world network of friends that are willing to support us and meet us and hang out with us and work with us and, you know, do anything, you know, if we were willing to just set the time and place to hang out and do stuff. And, you know, yeah. I, I think that's the most important thing is that we maintain our fan base and our friends around the world. As long as we could do that, yeah. I think we'll all be strong one way or another, whether it's here or some other platform. I th- well, and you bring up a really good point about the evergreen stuff. <clears throat> I think all of us have tried really hard to make the majority of our content evergreen so that it, 
is as applicable now as it was when we made it and should be later on. So in that, with that in mind, you could stop making videos today and theoretically everything you've ever done will continue to bring in something until the day you die, right? Yeah, and it does. It does. I mean, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll see a bump on an old video and it's because it got talked about or somebody wrote me and said, hey, can I use a piece of your video because I'm going to discuss it in some other thing. And I, you know, I say, sure, go for it. And then all of a sudden that video starts getting some, you know, sp- some peaks in it, some spikes in it. Yeah. You know, but I think that's a big differentiator between, sorry, okay. David, between um, like our type of video, which is more generally evergreen than not, I think. Um, versus a lot of the more popular genres. So you have like vlogging, like daily vlogging. You have like news shows, which are super topical and timely. Uh, Anything that's based around like movies, which is all pop culture and current events type stuff. Those all get tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of views day of, two days of, within a week. And after that, nobody cares. Nobody's going to care about like some news story from like 2012 about some YouTuber that did something, right? Who cares? Nobody's ever going to watch that video again. And I understand that those people are probably scared to death because they see their advertising dropping um, day to day. Mm, yeah. But us, I, I see it dropping a little bit month over month. Um, you know, and I think that's good for us. I, I mean, I think we're in the the you know we have the good end of the stick there because yeah. our stuff that will continue said, to be I mean, semi-relevant. You know, Chucky just put out a video about how he's going to have some trouble, you know, maintaining a su- support system with just YouTube alone. And Eric, the car guy, put one out and. I personally, I haven't seen any changes at all in my own personal stuff. I mean, I, I just, with Taylor, we were talking about it, and I clicked on my analytics. Everything is green arrows up, thankfully. I mean, I didn't know what to expect because I haven't looked in a while. But everything is green arrows up, and it's exciting to see, like, oh, okay. You know, like, I, I don't really, sometimes I don't want to look because I don't want to know. But in the in this <laughs> concept of everyone's <laughs> losing money on their monetization, I, I try not to count on it. Of course, I just consider gravy each month. It's not like if I got zero this month, I think I'd still be okay, but I'm, I'm going to get something. But I, I never really counted on it. But as it got bigger and bigger, I was like, oh, wow, that's a nice little chunk of change. And it's never the same. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's small. And I never really understood why. I, I feel I have no control over it, so I just take it as it comes. And again, I never, I never truly count on it 100%. So who knows? Like I said, I haven't seen any change in my own personal ups and downs it's just it's as inconsistent as it's always been i'll put it to you that way but when <laughs> you look point. at when you look at you know the beginning when i had nothing till now i mean it's like the stock market it just goes up and down but consec- consecutively going up over the 45 years you know a couple of days ago i was laying in bed and i was thinking like if a genie came along and asked me uh if i could have youtube Guaranteed for the rest of my life to constantly make enough money to to pay the bills and, and live a comfortable life, and but I had to stay stick with that path. I would not take that. I like the instability. I like the adventure. I like knowing that things are going to change in the future because I always like to change myself. And so I I, I don't know. There's there's that fun little adventurous me that's like. Hmm. This might not be here 10 years from now, and I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're basically just doing a desk job, right? You have yeah. a fixed salary. Yeah. You you just have to do the work to get the money, and that's it. But now you're in control, and you can 
stop doing it, make, do more of it, do whatever you want to. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you work for yourself, there is that thing. There's going to be stuff, markets that you work within that are going to fluctuate and go up and down the need for, you know, I mean, think about the people who build houses that everybody needed a house. There were houses going up everywhere. And then all of a sudden there weren't, nobody wanted houses and there were houses that are still unfinished and they're out there. And those people just don't have, didn't have work. It goes up and down, right? Um, and now it's coming back and now they're building houses again. So I think that's, it's certainly not, you know, specific to what we do, but I think anytime you work for yourself, you're just going to have to roll with the market that you're in as it changes. And, you know, I think we'll all be okay. Cause one cool thing about makers is that we, we make the situations that we want to have. So we all, you know, made pretty much what we're doing now. And I think we could make whatever we do next. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're over an hour. All right. Well, we should wrap this thing up. Wrap Mm -hmm. it up. Okay. Well, what have you guys been watching or listening to? David, got anything good? Uh, let me see. I've already picked the Golden Girls. I'm going to go with the Rogue Engineer, Jameson Rance. I I talked to him today. Did you? We probably talked about him before. Um, but it may have been before he had a YouTube channel. Uh, he's, he kills it on instagram and his website and the plans but he's now making youtube videos and it's a pretty small channel but they're really well done videos and it's just using dimensional lumber uh and and making making cool stuff and he's got a good on-camera personality and he's a good dude i've i got to hang out with him a few months ago so the rogue engineer yeah cool uh i'm gonna I'm going to talk about Sebastian Alari. Is that how you would say that? Alaris? Alaris? I'm not mm. sure how to say his o- name. Alaris? Alaris, I think. I think he's in Hungary, sure. and he's, uh, he made me a beautiful pen this week, and I featured him in my, my little mailbag section, and he then he took that clip and put it into his most recent video. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out. He's got a pretty healthy start. He's got about 10,000 subscribers, and he's doing really well. And I, I, and I know, just because he and I have chatted, that how YouTube has impacted his life in a very positive way and has given him a creative outlet that he otherwise did not have. And so it's just nice to see a, a success story and he's growing and I just wanted to thank him personally. So thank you, buddy. Awesome. Cool. Very nice. Sweet. Um, so I found a channel the other day by accident. I don't even remember how I found it. Um, and it's very small. And yeah. So right now they have, wait for it, wait for it, 336 subscribers. Very small channel. Wow. Um, but they, they're they really cute. <laughs> the two of them together, they, they're, they just seem really happy and like they seem to have a lot of fun. A lot of their projects seem to be um, kind of whimsical, kind of easy to do. Uh, maybe not easy to do, but, you know, like practical type stuff. Um, it's a very small channel. They just have maybe nine videos up, but as soon as I watch them together, they have like a really good presence on camera. I think this is going to be one of those channels that in a couple of years, they're going to be like one of the really big DIY channels because they just have a good like way about them. Hmm. Um, I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. I Say just the name again? on the channel and Evan and Caitlin. Um, and I'll put a link to it, but it's a small channel. So go over and subscribe to them and Make them not a small channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I want to thank our Patreon 
uh, supporters before we go, especially Make, Build, Modify and Wise Old Dow, as always. Um, everybody over there that helps us out, it's really awesome. We just paid taxes. You guys made that possible. <laughs> I guess Anne caused it. Yeah, I, mean, I can yeah, also that's point true. that out. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you for the support. And if anybody wants to help out the show, anything helps. Any even a you know a dollar, whatever, anything's really awesome. Go to make uh, patreon.com slash making it. And we also have t shirts. And we always forget to talk about the t shirts, mm. but we have t shirts. And t-shirts. you can if you want to buy a t shirt, you can buy a t shirt. And hoodies. And right? hoodies, <gasps> yeah. I think I yeah. need a hoodie. How do I buy a hoodie? Where do I go? I'll send you a link. You go to, <laughs> you go to makingitpodcast.com slash Jimmy needs a hoodie and it will cost him $500. <laughs> I think that's the link. That means we get to make money on him buying a hoodie. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. So I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else. I'm good. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the love and support always. Yeah. See you guys next week. Love you.